Welcome to the Make Light Show, the podcast that's all about curating meaning and joy in a light-filled life and part of the Light Listened Podcast Network. I'm Karen Walren, photographer, storyteller, and author of The Beauty of Different, Observations of a Confident Misfit. Join me as I speak with light seekers and light makers from around the world, learning all about how they live with intention and a sense of adventure. It's proof that positivity, creativity, and kindness make the world go round. Joining me today is Maura Ahrensmeely, a self-described introvert, internet marketer, and the author of the brand new book, Hiding in the Bathroom, an Introvert's Roadmap to Getting Out There When You'd Rather Stay at Home. Folks, this is such a good book, providing evidence that it's absolutely possible for introverts, shy people, and even those who battle with anxiety to be wildly successful entrepreneurs. So join us as we talk about introversion, perfectionism, and how boundaries are like a lap. Maura, I am so excited that you've joined me here today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here with you, virtually. <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm... I love that you're here because you and I have been friends for several years now. We've known each other from blogging conference and stuff, but I'm especially excited, not just because you're the founder of an agency, um, because we've had this kinship, but because your new book, Hiding in the Bathroom, is revolutionary. It's an amazing, amazing book. So I can't wait for to introduce you and and my listeners to you and this book. It's amazing. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> you, you should be great. This is this is a <laughs> triumph. I was so excited. So the book is Hiding in the Bathroom, an Introvert's Roadmap to Getting Out There When You'd Rather Stay at Home. You are a self-described self-described introvert. But and it's the book is great. Like it's got all this amazing data and storytelling. It's such an easy read. But you're not like a psychologist or a social scientist. So tell me about <laughs> How you came to write this book? Like, how did this happen? It's very funny because I have a lot of imposter syndrome when I talk about the book, (laughs) uh, which you're not supposed to have. My lecture agent's always yelling at me. Um, Okay, so here's the thing. I am very ambitious. I have Mm. big plans. Ever since I was three years old, I've had big plans for my life. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you can relate. I'm sure your listeners can. can relate. You know, I always did really well in school. I was a really good athlete. I was like the president of my high school. I had really good jobs. I kept. You're intimidating, is what you are. <laughs> I am intimidating, but he- no, no, but here's the truth, right? I yeah. kept quitting those jobs. I mm. would get, I'd get a really good job, and then I would get sort of pushed to the side a couple months mm. in. I don't know if that's happened to anyone. Like all of a sudden, you stop getting invited to meetings. You sort of are like, wait a minute, am I losing my authority here? Mm. I couldn't hack it in corporate America, in traditional workplaces, in going out and selling and schmoozing and networking and doing Mm. lunch and da-da-da-da-da, all the stuff that we think we need to do to become leaders. Yep. I only realized after I left it all, after also having panic anxiety and many, many hours at jobs crying in the bathroom and all that (laughs) stuff. I'm an extreme introvert. I uh, get really overwhelmed if I am with people too much, if I have to perform all day. I get like smiley headaches (laughs) if I have to be on. Um, I I hated like networking events. I hated negotiating constantly with my frankly mostly male colleagues. 
I have anxiety. I have social anxiety. So literally showing up at work every day would be hard. Commuting because I have a lot of transportation issues and anxieties. Mm. All the stuff that it took to get me out of my house and into a quote job, I couldn't do. I would never yeah. succeed. And uh, tell me, tell me know, what your what what your um, career was in at this point. Like, what was it that you were doing? Well, so I started out. I actually worked in independent film. I was a film publicist, which was okay. beyond. I shopped movie stars around. This is when I was really young. And then I went into the internet. My first job was at iVillage, or my first job in the internet was at iVillage.com, the amazing oh, I remember and sadly, iVillage, yes. I know, where I learned I remember that. The, everything I need to know about women's community, about the work that we still do, right? Mm, yeah. Mobilizing, conversing, connecting online. I learned at iVillage in the 90s. But anyway, I then wor worked for iVillage in London. I then worked in online travel. I did a lot of like really hardcore quantitative and digital marketing. And then I went into politics and took all my sort of digital marketing and community skills into how do I help the Democratic Party raise money online and win elections. Um, okay. And then, you know, worked on K Street, was sort of a, again, an online strategist. And, you know, had a really interesting and varied and many jobs. I had nine jobs in a very short amount of time, career, and I kept crying. I was so unhappy. I thought I was doing everything right. Yep. So finally I just quit. I quit. I was going to go to graduate school and be a social worker. I thought, I'm going to be a social worker because I want to help women figure out how to stay in jobs because I can't seem to. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So it's funny because I don't have any professional licensing. I'm not a therapist, but I always wanted to be one. I never finished yeah. my social degree, sadly. I think some of us are story. just born. I think some of us are just born coaches and therapists anyway. I think sometimes it's a gift. Like some of us are born artistic. Some of us learn it. Like I think it's the same thing. Yes. You know, it's funny because I always look at your photography and I think, how does she capture people's essences? And it just, again, <laughs> it's a gift. Um, Thank you. One day when I'm older... It is my goal to go back and get a degree so I can actually become a therapist, but that is probably many decades off at this point. Um, <laughs> but no one ever said to me, are you an introvert? Why are you so anxious at work? Why is it so hard for you to assert yourself in a group? You know, I wonder if that would happen now. This is, this is um, 12 years ago now. So right. I think... I hope I like to think that things have changed in the workplace, although God knows everything coming out of Me Too and beyond shows that it's still as hard as ever for women to advance. And I do think gender plays a role here. Mm. Introverted women suffer differently than introverted men. I'm oh, not sure they suffer more. Oh, that's interesting. More. I never thought about that. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I just left. I didn't see a future for myself. And mm. I went to social work school at night. And then I started consulting. You know, I had to pay the bills. Oh, so you actually started school. Like, you actually started going to school. Hell, a Catholic university. Absolutely. Wow, I was going to wow. become a clinical social worker. Um, wow. And I started doing consulting, digital consulting, to pay the bills. And the first day, I swear to God, I didn't have to get up and go to work. <laughs> yeah. I could sit on the island in my kitchen with my laptop. I could make my own hours. I was doing the exact same work that I thought I hated and had quit but yep. I could do it on my terms. I could be alone. <laughs> wow. Oh my God, my world changed. And then I started blogging. Yes. <laughs> and what happened yes. when I started blogging, and you know this, is I didn't have to go out and network and meet people because I had this like online credibility and people came and found me. 
Yeah. And it was amazing. And my life changed. Well, you know, I love this. And I'd, I'd like to just kind of dig into something that you kind of touched on just now is um, you talked about how you're a, a, a you know, an extreme introvert, I think you said. Um, and you also talked about like anxiety. And so I kind mm -hmm. of want to kind of parse those out because I think I'm a pretty big introvert as well. Like I think I've got a, I'm one of those people that I can, I can get on stage and speak and I've got no issue with it. I actually don't even get scared with it. But once I'm done, I have to go away. Like I, it's to. really, really, I just, I'm just so drained. And so like, can we talk a little bit about uh, like introversion and how it might be different from shyness or anxiety, or at least how you see it? Um, and is, and do you think like it's, it's possible to be one without the other, I guess? A hundred percent. I will yeah. say, and, and you know, I have some, some mean reviews online of people saying, well, this woman's not introverted. She's anxious. Like what the hell does mm. she know? And, mm. and I actually, you know, in fairness, I, I take that my publisher, this is so funny, she, my publisher, HarperCollins, God bless them, like wanted introvert in the title because it's a really good search engine term. Oh, right, right on. That's fair. So, so <laughs> the book is not just about introversion. I am an ambitious, anxious introvert. Mm, okay. Some people are not anxious introverts. In fact, yep. many of the people who run our world are introverts and they probably don't have anxiety like you they can get up on stage they can kill it they build billion dollar industries right i mean everyone from warren buffett to mark zuckerberg to president obama yeah introverts yeah right so All they have to ma yep. manage their energy introversion is about managing your energy you said it great i get up on stage i'm not even scared i do a great job but oh my goodness, I cannot do the rope line after. I can't do the, the oh, milling about. Or the, or the I can't cocktails, do the cocktails after. Don't yep. invite me for cocktails, please. No. Never. I, you know, well, you and I actually talked about this at your last conference right before the book came out or right as the book was coming out. And I was like, I'm here. I'll do my thing. And then I'm going back up for, for room service. Right? Oh my God. But Karen, for me to hear you say that, this is why it's important to be open about this stuff. You are such a leader in our field. You are oh, you. so highly regarded for me to hear you admit that was <laughs> so liberating and that's why I talk very openly about this stuff because I want people to see successful people who you know I was just at lunch with someone she goes oh come on you're not an introvert you're lying right <laughs> why, would I, why would I lie about this shit? no I'm not lying right I'm an introvert. I need to manage my energy. What you don't know is after we leave our lunch I'm going to go be alone for an hour and so right. I want us to be very open, especially those of us sort of introverts who don't seem like introverts and are. We can stand up. We can own a room. We can be charming. We can be funny. You know, introverts can make eye contact. Introverts are funny. Introverts <laughs> aren't always shy and we're not always quiet. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think is really interesting because I think so many people for so long, I don't think it's true as much now, but I think for so long, introversion was seen as a detriment, right? Like it was yep. seen as a as a debit against your your character if you're introverted you'll never go far like you touch in the book if you're introverted you'll never be a leader and it's like but for me at least introversion is about i do my best creation alone i do my best idea making alone i um i feel in a lot of ways i'm more productive when i'm alone um yep. and i was like you know i when i quit my job to to work from home i the biggest thing people said is you're gonna go crazy being at home and it's been eight years and I haven't missed a minute of not, not going to an office. Yeah. Not at all. a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, to, to me, honestly, that's the real introvert test. I mean, I, you know, yeah. cause, cause like you, I get a lot of phone calls of people who are like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out on my own. 
and usually people start working from home, although now there's co-working spaces, so you don't have to as much. But if they call me back three months later and say, I couldn't do it, I missed people. <laughs> right, right, right. You're probably an extrovert. And, you know, so that's cool. I, I will just push back a little bit in that data still show that introverts pay a price. Yes. Because, yeah. Especially in more traditionally sort of extroverted roles like sales. Um, yes, for sure. Yeah, I can see And that. in industries where the norm is, you know, I call him Jim from sales, who's, you know, the back slapper, always willing to stay for another <laughs> round. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I think so. I, and, and, and introverted women um, can really pay a price, especially if you're quiet, if you get talked over in meetings. You know, something that I do think can be true about introverts is whether we're shy or not. We do like that contemplative time. We like to absorb, to read the room, and then think and process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that can be a detriment, imagine, if you're in a brainstorming meeting, right? Where right. everyone just wants right. to sh show off how smart they are, and you're <laughs> processing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's that is so true. That That's so true. So, so the thing about your book that's really, really great is it's sort of in addition to kind of telling stories about introverts who have been very successful, um, you end sort of, I think it's each chapter, it might be each section, but each chapter with sort of self-assessment mm -hmm. and, um, and things to kind of help you figure out where you are on the spectrum of introversion, extroversion, or how you're motivated or how you like to work or what's important to you. And I love that. Um, and I want to talk to you about a couple of things that you said in the book that I really loved. And one of them was a vision quest exercise. And actually, um, offline, we were talking about our mutual friend, Christine Coe. And I think you said that this was a, this was an uh, exercise that she offered, which was about figuring out what it is you want more of, or what you want less of in order to determine what you want your career to look like. That's a Christine Coe special. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. But, and so go ahead, go, please, please, because well, I have she, a question about it. Sure, she would, she would say it's not just about your career, it's about your whole life. Okay. All right. So what do you want more of in your life and what do you want less of in your life? Yes, I, I could see I, that. I apply it to career because the book is about career, but, but you could do it anywhere. Right. Well, so here's the thing. And, and my, the question that I have is, it felt to me as I was going through, this is as the woman who just said that I don't deal with anxiety. It felt to me like you could, it could potentially be anxiety inducing. Like you could go, well, this is what I want more of, but is that enough? Should I, aren't I supposed to want more. Hmm. Um, like for example, when, before I, before I do what I did now, uh, what did what I do now before I was, um, a speaker and, and, you know, a podcaster now and everything else, I was a lawyer and I had a really powerful job and was miserable. Yeah. Again, I was going into the office that I hated very much. You know, it was, I had to be on a lot. Um, and I remember thinking it to myself, here I am wanting to quit and I've achieved what most women, especially women of color, dream of cheat like I've got the powerful lawyer job and you know and you know and I'm traveling around the world and I'm in private jets and wow and I you know I've to, never been to, in a private jet <laughs> <laughs> that was the cheapest staff job actually yeah but but um but you know I had all these things and was miserable and so when I heard you know what do you want more of or less of I remember thinking what if what you want more of is a 40-hour work week instead of a 60-hour work week or what if what you want more of is family as opposed to money like in a lot of ways it feels like wanting more of something that's not traditionally considered um ambitious could feel a little weird for somebody going through the the, the um 
the exercise. What do you think? This, I, I think this is the question. I, mm. I also wanted to ask you, because I really want to dive into this, but before I do, I want to ask <laughs> you, did you also feel like you were letting anyone down when you left? Your parents, your mentors, feminists? Oh, God, yes. Feminist. Oh, my God, I'm so glad you said feminism, because yes, I thought, yes. I was like, I am not a feminist anymore. I can I talk a good game. Um, I, uh, I also felt like um, I was letting black women down. Particularly, because like there are so few black women lawyers at all, mm -hmm. right? Like the percentage of lawyers, very few of them, certainly at the time, were black women. And uh, I felt like I have just let everybody down because I'm supposed, I have, I have achieved what a young black girl is supposed to achieve and I'm walking away from it. Yep. It's the worst. I want the audience just to marinate in that for a minute. Um. <laughs> You're such an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, because, because I, I think that that is the key. Mm. And this is where the ambitious, ambition piece comes in, and this is where the gender piece comes in, where mm -hmm. women like, like us, I think it's okay to say, who are so high-achieving and so driven, I bet your mom never had to tell you to do your homework, right? Like you oh, did your God, homework. No. Right? I, don't, I don't even think my mother knew if I had homework. <laughs> I just did right. it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so you get it all, everything you've worked mm. for, and you've had a life of pats on the back, right? Yep. And one of the things that I write in the book is when you choose to do less, to, for me, run a business that grows very slowly, mm -hmm. uh, no one's going to pat you on the back. You're not going to get, you know, the accolades that you're used to or that you might even crave or that you might even associate with your well-being. I am still recovering. I posted on Facebook this morning that I wake up every morning and feel like, who's going to yell at me today? I saw I, that. Well, you know, <laughs> and I, I, the comments were great, too, because people were like, I think who's going to sue me today? <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's it. It's the overdeveloped right. super ego of I am living my life to be validated by other people. Mm. And I think that there is a specific breed of very high achieving women that we do this, it's, it's so ingrained in us. And when you leave all that, you are terrified because not only do you feel like you're letting down feminism, but you think, am I failing? I, right. I'm, I mean, what am I doing with my life? And then, and then I don't know about you. I, I then I think I have, I'm going to be a bag lady, right? <laughs> I, I, how am I going to pay for my, I mean, I, my thoughts, right. this is where anxiety comes in. You go global, right? If you have yeah. anxiety, it's really hard to, to be like, meh, it'll be fine. Oh my God, no, Every, I'll never get work again. I'm going to be a bag lady, da, da, da. Right, right. So what and it's so, it's, it seems so, so tightly, like a lot of what you're saying is so connected to perfectionism, right? Like oh. it's so tied to that whole shame-based perfectionism, which is, it's not healthy striving. It's, if I'm not this, then what am I, right? Like it's, you know, yeah. it's this sort of thing. It's, it's crazy, crazy making. Shame-based, I love that. Right. And so one of the things that I go into into the book is it's a process. Like if mm. you are a you know fancy lawyer traveling on private jets, the thought that you're going to quit your job and wake up and you know become a blogger and in one day feel like all is right with the world is probably, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it takes a little bit longer than that. And yet I think we have a little bit of this like eat, pray, love mythology that if I, <laughs> right, like if I only go and find my bliss, it'll all be okay. But that's yeah. not true either. Like you still have bills to pay, like you got kids. And so what I really want to do in the book is, is encourage people to 
set good expectations and accept compromise and limits. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that was something, what you talked about as far as boundary and limits was, I thought, just brilliant. And I'd love if you could tell people sort of the, you had a swimming pool analogy about what the difference is between a boundary and a limit. Could you explain that a little bit? Well, this is not me. This is my, my good friend, Rebecca Harley, PhD, who is, you know, mm. a real muckety-muck PhD. So she knows what she's talking about. Um, so if you think about your boundaries, boundaries are the sense when you are being violated, you're feeling off, something's wrong. If you think of the swimming pool, the boundary is the stripe on the bottom of the lap pool. <laughs> you, it's not physical. It's a sense. Yeah. And you try to stay within the boundaries, but it's really hard because there's nothing physically keeping you in your lane. A yeah. limit is the rope buoy that defines your lane. And when you come up against that rope buoy, it's going to push you back into your lane. Right, right. Right. So you could say that a boundary, and, and again, you have to really think about this because it's not like you instantly realize, oh, God, when my boss emails me at 7 p.m. at night, that's crossing a boundary for me. It may take right. you many months to realize why you're feeling so uncomfortable at work and you don't like your boss and you're feeling ambivalent is <laughs> right. because she emails you every night late. Okay, so that's your boundary. You are feeling like she is chasing your personal space and you don't like it. Right. Now... That's great, but how do you actually enforce that and get her to stop? Mm. That mm. is setting a limit. Okay. And I think that it's really helpful to think that way. And again, not to come back to Christine Coe, but one of the things that I'm really proud of that we've done at, at our little firm, Women Online, is we have really all identified our boundaries because everyone has different ones. Like, I like to work at home. I like to have as much control over my own time as possible, but I don't care if clients email me on the weekend. I don't care if they call me. Once they, they are in my book and they're paying me and we have a relationship, I'm theirs. Right, right. For Christine and for some of the other people at our company, that's, that's not okay. They like to keep mm. more traditional work hours. Mm. And so we had to go through an exercise of setting the limit. Like, this is, this is your time limit for email and client responsiveness. This is mine. And so mm. it's really cool because no one has the same boundary. You could be sitting in an office and everyone's got different ones. <laughs> Space. So how do, you get, how do you get to the point, though, um, because I agree and I love all this, but to me also one of the traps you get into as you become clearer about boundaries and limits is, like for me, I sometimes wonder, well, are these boundaries or are these limits limiting my potential? Like if <laughs> yes. I, if I put these out here and say, this is it, does it mean that I'm not going to go farther in my job? Because I say, you know what? Weekends are sacrosanct. I'm with my family, you know? So how do you, how do you compromise or not compromise, but to reconcile, I guess, the, huh. the, the potential? Well, I mean, I get, I think this is also the question that many of us deal with. The truth is mm. in, in our current work system, if you're in a, a high growth job and you decide you're not going to work after hours or weekends, you probably mm. will limit your, <laughs> your, your some, to, in, on some teams. Now, on some teams, you won't. Yeah. And I think that a, a key is actually learning what your limits are and your boundaries and trying to find the right organization and environment or even career. You know, there's a lot of careers where people can work a schedule that suits them. Like, I always think of a nurse on shift work. It yeah. may seem like the most exhausting job, and I'm sure it is, to work three 12s, right? 36 hours. Right, right. And that's what a lot of people do. But when you're not working a 12, 
you're off. You're off, yeah. So yeah. that is actually a way, a creative way to still achieve a goal and work within your boundaries. And the great thing mm. about work is that it is changing enough. I know people, you know, who work like crazy for nine months a year and then work less for three months a year. I know people who work insanely in their office for four hours a day and then either don't work or work from home or do different kinds of work. I mean, there's lots yeah. of ways to shift it. I, I have one example of a recruiter who runs her own company with which had 330% growth year on year, but she knows wow. that she's really got to manage her energy. So she only does phone calls and external facing work in two two-hour blocks every day. Wow. So that's how she manages That's amazing that, that she can it's manage awesome. that. That's amazing. Well, that is a, not every and, day, and, but yeah. Yeah. And but the other thing that I think is really um I think I think needs to be acknowledged here is a lot of times um, I've, I was mentoring someone recently, a, a young woman who was right out of um, college, and she was in a position where she was kind of upset that her boss expected her to work more than 40 hours a week. Hmm. Right. She, mm -hmm. had, you know, in college and stuff had, you know, sort of punch clock kind of work. And now she was salaried. And she's like, is that really is that really what it's like in a salaried world is to be able to is that you have to work at more than 40 hours. And, you know, I wanted to tell her, nah, it's not always like that. It's the job. But I'm like, no, sometimes it kind of is when you're yeah. first starting out because you don't have the credibility. And I think um, that's something that we don't say a lot to certainly younger people is sometimes you just got to, you know, you got to take some knocks and just kind of establish yourself I'm first so you, before you can start to say, you know, set those boundaries. You got to suck limits. it up. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. And I talk about this in the book that, you may be at a point, either if you're young and starting out or you've switched to a new career, where you, you've got to suck it up. You know, I started my career as an executive assistant to very high-powered senior women. Now, mm -hmm. they, frankly, got to disappear for several hours at a time in the afternoon, and, but I had to be at the desk covering for them. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, I, I didn't necessarily like it, but what I learned is, oh, that's interesting. How does she do that? <laughs> so... <laughs> I like that approach. Yeah, so I and I think I mean I, yeah. I I think you have to you have to earn the credits, right? Like you've gotta you've gotta earn the credit in the bank so that um, when you have the long resume and all of the proof that you can do stuff, you can start to say things like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna be in the office on Monday afternoons because my right. kid does something." You know, like you can start to do that because you've already got. A lot well, of the um... let me say one thing about the kid the kid reference because this is my current obsession and something I think <laughs> that unfortunately uh, feminists and work life activists and oh yes yeah diversity I know going with this yeah you know where I'm going with this it's yeah. not about your kid and I think that one of the things that's also really important and I was really lucky that I had sort of a, an accidental mentor named Margie O'Mara when I was very young who was a really young entrepreneur as a young woman in her 20s and decided she didn't want to work Fridays. I think that we systemically need to separate workplace flexibility and control over your time and your pace and your place of work with mm -hmm. mommying. Because unfortunately, mommying is denigrated certainly when it comes to career ambition. And so yep. the more that we assume that someone wants to not be in the office because they're mommying, I think it hurts everyone. Just, I don't want to like shame anyone, but I do think that that's important. And I have three yeah, kids, no, so, I, you know, I get I, it. I, I, yeah, no, I get it as well. And I think that's, um, 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean to to say it in a way that was denigrating, but but it, oh, it doesn't no, have not, to be like your kids. A, right. But I mean, like you say, I'm not going to be here in the office because that's my I don't know spin class that I'm always going to go to yeah. on Mondays or whatever. Like being able to to sit, be able to have these to have more flexibility with what's going to take priority over what as you get, um, becomes easier as you get older because you have the experience and the credibility behind you. It was sort of my point. I think you're 100 percent right, and and frankly. I'm not going to be in the office because you people are loud and I have to write something. <laughs> or this, I hear on my book tour, I heard this. I hate wearing noise canceling headphones. I don't want to wear them. Why yep. is it fair that I have to wear them in order to get my work done? I'm out of here for three hours. You know, like, yeah. really? So I, I had yeah. this one woman, I was in, I was doing a sort of lunch workshop at a company and she started to cry. And she said, I'm, I'm an introvert. I just, I, I need to work from home sometimes to think, but my boss says he likes to see me. Yeah. Yeah. What? Which is, <laughs> is so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it's not, it's unfair. I, mean, like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, that's unfair <laughs> that you have to do that. If you, as long as you're producing your work, like, why does that matter? But um, unfortunately that is sometimes a reality for people. And until you've kind of proven yourself as being effective, um, sometimes well, you just so, have to sometimes even up. not. I have a friend who's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, Pulitzer Prize, and her boss yep. still wants her in the office. So oh, it no. just sucks. Oh no! Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous. All right. So uh, one of the last questions I want to ask before we get to our bullet round is: Let's say somebody is finding out about you right here on Make Light, um, and they're like, "This sounds really cool. I'm totally an introvert." Um, you guys have talked about boundaries, you've talked about anxiety, you've talked, yeah, that's all great, but like, how do I, what's the first thing I can do tomorrow morning to help make my life better, to work toward someplace where I kind of own my introversion and understand how it can be an asset? Like, what do I do? I think the first thing you need to do, there's two things. The mm -hmm. first is to really think hard. I'm going to challenge this to your listeners and think about what motivates me right now? Mm. Am I motivated by prestige? I just got a job in a big law firm. I like how this feels. I want to grow. Am I motivated by money? Oh man, I'm finally making enough money to start paying off my student loans or saving for a house. This feels good. Am I motivated mm. by cause, by passion? I hate President Trump. I'm working at a resist organization. <laughs> this is where I have to be even if I'm working 18 hours a day. Or Am I motivated by flexibility? I need control over my time, over my space, over my pace, over my energy. I gotta figure this out. And look, none yeah. of these are, are binary and none of them are forever. But the truth is, if you're really motivated by money right now, it may not be, it may be, but it may not be the time for you to talk to your boss about working from home or quitting your corporate job to start a new business. So think about right. that, think really honestly about what motivates you, not what your mom thinks or your mentor or feminism. That's right. number one. <laughs> right. And that's really an interesting exercise. Number two is to look at your schedule. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. One of the best things that I ever learned is from one of my mentors, Callie Yost, who I think is fantastic. She coined the term work-life fit, which I use instead of work-life balance, and you should read about that. But your calendar is a holistic reflection of your life, and a lot of mm. us our calendars aren't realistic. We don't put personal stuff on the calendar, right? Mm. We create a calendar for the work person we feel like we should be, not the work person we are. So be realistic about your calendar, get control over it, 
and start looking critically at your time. Do I really have to fly to that sales conference? Is it a waste of my time? Did I ever get any leads from that sales conference? Do I have to go to this dinner next Thursday night? Because I really don't want to go to a dinner at night. What is it going to do for me? Like be ruthlessly strategic and start to think about your time as a way to reclaim your time, as someone we love says, and manage (laughs) your energy. (laughs) I love that. That is such great advice. Okay, so now... After learning all of this wonderful stuff in your amazing book, I'm going to do a little bullet round so people get to know you a little bit better. Um, It's really easy. I'm just going to tell, I'm going to say two things and you're going to pick your favorite of the two. Okay. Simple. See? All right. So like the first one, easy, coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. Reading or writing? Oh, reading. Okay. Speaking at conferences or speaking at book signings? Conferences. Really? Oh, yes. Really? Tell me why. I would have thought actually the book signings because they were usually shorter, like in duration. (laughs) You know, I have I had such a profound panic attack recently at a book event. I the the one guy in the audience was like, "Oh my God, do we need to call nine one one?" I sometimes my I love book signings. I love talking to people, but. The pressure I find to perform around my book, because it's like my baby, is is intense. Mm -hmm. It's tough, yeah. Okay, how about this? Work from home or work from a coffee house? Home. Yeah, even a coffee house bugs you. Never. (laughs) Really? See, like... I say, if it's a quiet coffee house, like I couldn't do like general with Starbucks, but if it's a quiet coffee house, I don't mind it so much. I'm like, okay, you know, it's interesting because I can sort of people watch sometimes, but then I'm all by myself. That's really interesting. No, and also I I have my cats. I have three cats and they work Uh, with me all day. So I like to be with them. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. How about this one? City or beach? Beach. Yeah, me too. Okay, and then the last two are, I ask everybody this, these questions because my daughter insists on it. Um, Pandora or Spotify? Spotify. And Facebook or Instagram? Facebook. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? I don't do Instagram. Wow. Uh, See, an Instagram feels like an, inter- an introvert's dream for me. And not Facebook? No, because Facebook, people get in, like arguments and stuff in the comments instagram people just go nice picture <laughs> like everybody's so much you know and it's not it's not as much and you know you don't get you can get into conversations and i do occasionally but but facebook feels like you gotta respond more like there's a requirement you do and, and i tell you yeah. there are week there are weeks that go by that i can't look at my facebook feed but when i need that community and i can yeah. do it from behind my screen i love it it's, it's where i get all my thing. parenting advice for sure that's, that's awesome. Okay, and my final question, what does it mean to thrive? To not hate Mondays. <laughs> I love that. That might be my favorite answer ever. I love that so much. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Maura, I can't tell you how fun this has been. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Karen, thank you. Oh, and, I, and everybody go out there and read this book. It's called Hiding in the Bathroom, an introvert's roadmap to getting out there when you'd rather stay home. It's 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 a quick read. I mean, it's a, a meaty book that you'll fly through. It's just, it's such a great read. So thanks again, Maura. Oh, thank you. 
Laura always has this air of calm wisdom about her. It's lovely when I get to spend time with her, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to find out more about today's guest, Maura Aarons Mealy, and her book, Hiding in the Bathroom, be sure to check out the show notes at themakelightshow.com. And if you're talking about today's episode on social media, don't forget to use hashtag MakeLightShow so we can find you. I'm Karen Walrent, and I'll be back next week with a new episode. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Thrive on, friends. 